0: To an extra shot episode on the Project Zion podcast, a shorter episode that lets you get your Project Zion fix in between our full-length episodes. It might be shorter time-wise, but hopefully not in content. So regardless of the temperature at which you prefer your caffeine, sit back and enjoy this extra shot. and welcome to the Project Zion podcast. My name is Carla Long. I'm your host, and I'm here with a really good friend of mine named Mike Seagraves. He's a good friend of mine from California, and I just recently saw on Facebook that he did something kind of cool with part of his congregation over Thanksgiving. And so I thought, hey, this will be perfect for our series, What's Brewing? So Mike, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: You bet. Hi, Carla.
0: Hi, Mike. Tell us all about yourself.
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Mike Seagraves. I live out in the Near Sacramento, California, with my wife and three beautiful daughters. Although the oldest one, Georgia, is at Graceland now, so we're missing her, but excited to have her home for the holidays. Um, two other daughters, Maya and Kendra, uh, a sophomore and a sixth grader, and we all live there in Sacramento. As Carla knows, with uh, my mom and dad all in the same house, and we've been in California most of our life.
0: Yeah, and and what do you do, Mike?
1: Oh, I work for Dignity Health, large healthcare system, and. I was I used to be an occupational therapist, actually kind of treating patients, and now I'm kind of in the technology side helping build uh, websites and mobile apps for for folks in the healthcare space
0: and you like it yeah, it's great yeah and does it give you a lot of freedom to work with the congregation
1: uh, n- no <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it it, uh, it is a flexible job it allows me to uh, you know be home on the weekends for sure and um, we do have a great congregation in Sacramento. A lot of good energy happening there. A lot of people, um, you know, fifty, sixty, seventy people sometimes on a Sunday, which just feels really nice and healthy. And there's a good thing happening there right now for sure.
0: Oh, you're making me homesick for all the you listeners yeah. who didn't know. I used to live in Sacramento myself. Come
1: on, come on back, crazy cool Carla, as we all know her by.
0: Oh gosh, you just made my heart just do a little flip. So. <laughs> So, Mike, what happened over Thanksgiving this year? Like, I just saw on Facebook something really cool happened, and I want to hear all about it.
1: Yeah, uh, sure. It's you know, in our in our efforts as a congregation or as a as a as a church community to really embody and live um, the message and the mission, uh, the Sierra Pacific Mission Center um, established kind of a task force, like a crisis response kind of task force, and. One of the folks on that task force so whose job it is really to kind of look for opportunities to meet needs, uh, identified that there were um, a number of families who had been displaced by that really uh, big fire up outside of Chico, the Paradise Fire, the, the campfires they called it. And there were maybe like 30 families that they found that had been displaced and were at this one particular hotel uh, in the Roseville area, which is pretty near our congregation and near our house. So... Uh, that was Kay Fletcher, if you, if you happen to know Kay. Um, I know you do, Carla, but for others. And Kay let our pastor, Daniel Hedman, know about that need. And so that that Sunday, the first I'd heard of it was that uh, that Sunday before Thanksgiving at church, during kind of the, you know, what we call family of God time, ahead of time when we're sharing good news and concerns and announcements, Daniel stood up and, and, and mentioned the need. And uh, it was really a wonderful thing to see. I mean, just the immediate response of the congregation was, well, how can we help? And. Within a, a matter of a few seconds, the idea came out. Well, how about if whatever we collect today, uh, we we donate to the idea of um, making a Thanksgiving meal for these families on Thursday? Uh, and so everybody, you know, unanimously kind of voted to do that. And we ended up collecting. I mean, there were probably somewhere between fifty and sixty people there. We collected seventeen hundred dollars. Whoa! Uh, yeah, and it was. I mean, the generosity was was really astounding. Uh, and, and with that, Daniel had kind of already sort of pre-arranged this part. We, we uh, went to Mimi's Cafe, which is like a restaurant out here that makes um, sort of pre-prepared Thanksgiving meals. And we bought enough meals for like uh, 100 people. Uh, and then, um, of course, then there's kind of the last part of that, which is how do you get it there? And Because it's not fully like at the hotel at that point. It's in boxes. So we did our family who lives kind of nearby and some other folks from the congregation volunteered to pick that stuff up and uh, and take it uh, to the hotel and and set it out and deliver it so that's what you saw on Facebook there was a picture um, that was taken kind of before the people got there but while we were preparing to to serve them and there was just it it was interesting to me how much enthusiasm there was both among the people who were doing all that I just talked about and the folks who saw uh, saw the picture and I had this thought about it which was and it's kind of related to this analogy. Let me tell you a story, Carla. Is that all right? I just keep going. I love your stories. All right. Okay. Here's a story. I have this friend at work. His name's Matt. And he is like a coffee nut. He loves coffee like nobody I know. And we know a lot of people who love coffee. He knows coffee like to the point where he studies like the origin of the beans, you know. And he was telling me this one time, this this his perspective on, on the coffee bean. We we're talking about the journey of a coffee bean from like somewhere in South America. And he's like, you know, it's it picked in a field down there and it's sorted and and maybe it's roasted and then it's packaged and for distribution and it's, uh, then shipped, you know, north, it goes on this, this journey for however long it takes, you know, a week or whatever or two and ends up at some dock in the United States. And then it's offloaded and there's all the supply chain logistics and trucks that ship it. And somehow eventually it ends up at the counter, uh, at the coffee shop. And that's where, you know, you and I come in. We go into the store, the person who's in need of this (laughs) ministry of coffee. And they, you know, they get to the register and they order their coffee. And at that point, what Matt was sort of um, acknowledging to me or or having me think about was all that matters now to that customer is the last 10 feet of that journey of the coffee bean. From that other side of the counter (laughs) where it got to, to when it becomes um, this warm drink that they came in looking for and i think about that in the context of this uh, experience because there was there was so much that went into all the preparedness and it all matters right like it's just like with the coffee bean it doesn't get to the coffee store if it doesn't go through all that but it, there also was in our experience the last 10 feet which you didn't see on facebook right uh and what i observed about that um in our experience, was that it was the most difficult part of embodying and living the message. You know, people in my own family, myself included, um, that I I saw as the people began to come into the room where the food was there, it was hard to do the last most meaningful part, which was to like sit down at the table and connect with them. Maybe because it was like a vulnerable situation, these folks, some of them had lost everything, uh, you didn't know what to say. It was easier to tend to the food than to the people, or whatever. But what the the lesson I learned in that was that if you just will have the courage to do it, that's where the real ministry happens. I I remember I was kind of in that that setting. There was a lot of food. The people were kind of coming. It felt a little bit like a junior high school dance, you know, where you're kind of on one side of the wall and people over there. You don't like that little awkward little moment. And I just walked up. To a table where there was an empty chair, and I just said, "Hey, um, you mind if I join you? Because it, it seems like that's the opportunity that this situation has presented to us." And and they, of course, were like, "Yes, please." And we sat down and we began to talk. And it was through that connection and that last foot, if you will, um, that really the ministry started to happen in both directions, mind you, right? And I tell you that, Carla, because you know me, uh, you know, folks who are listening might not, but I'm a really uh, extroverted kind of guy, you know. Like I, I don't have a hard time meeting people, but even for me, for some reason, in that in that situation, it took a little bit of intention or a lot of intention and focus to get over that little hump. And then when I did, that's when the ministry happened. So, I thought that was maybe the most poignant part of the experience. Really,
0: I absolutely agree. You know, Mike, I am a lot like you, very extroverted, but I remember at a senior high camp where you are right now in Santa Cruz, California. And um, I took the seniors and we always do that where we go out and help people kind of day. Right. And we went to a a food shelter, a food. Yeah. And um, there's five jobs and they were all working with the food. And then they're like, and we need to have one more job and we need someone at the door to greet everyone. And none of the seniors, none of those sweet little kids wanted to do that. So I got to do that. And, And I was scared. Like, I'm like, yes, well, I don't. I don't know what to say to them. Like, what? But, but, right. the, but they—they're just us. Like, they're yeah. you know, yeah. and and that is a really hard thing to kind of see. And it is. I think it's all about vulnerability. I, I yeah. re- recognizing that we are people with ten fingers and ten toes, and we're we're all the same.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's it. And the, it was interesting to me, kind of the the juxtaposition in some ways of the of the enthusiasm for the helping versus sort of the challenge of getting to that last few feet of the experience. Uh, I actually, to be really honest, in the picture that got posted on Facebook um, of the the families, my own family and myself included, I am very uncomfortable in that picture uh, because the person taking the photo is a person who was displaced by the fire. Wow. And this is before anything happened. And the thought in my head at that moment is, this is not right this is awkward you know like why are we celebrating and i don't want to disparage it because it does matter right but it was that was before we had the opportunity to actually engage together in community you know and i was thinking we haven't we haven't done it yet we haven't done it yet you know um but when we did and you're absolutely right it's like it's about vulnerability it's about the the awareness that the um the message of the gospel is uh, is oneness. like we are all uh, in perfect unity, right? No matter the circumstances and like stepping into that and just being willing to connect with one another. Um, that's when just incredible things happen. I mean, I met let me tell you a couple of stories about the people I met when I sat down at the table. Please is that all right. It. oh man, I met this this one woman who was like the um, the family historian for her for her family. she had, you know, she described having hundreds of years of artifacts, Civil War uh, relics and clothes and instruments and um, uh, ten type photos from, like, generations before of, like, you know, her, her family and her ancestors in her home as the fire was encroaching. And she was there. She lived across the street from an Arco gas station. The flames were licking the walls of the Arco gas station across the street from her house. And she's like, I got to go. I got to pray first. And so she, she described how she prayed for this this, um, this arc of angels to come over her home and protect those belongings. And then she left. And uh, I don't know how long later, maybe like the, the next morning or something, her son, her son who was a, a guy after my own heart, faked a press pass to get past the barrier and got up into the town. And he called her from the gas station, what was left of the gas station, to tell her mom, it's still there. The house wow. is still there. Everything around it was burned down, and the and the yard was still smoldering to the point where her son had to run over to the firemen that were up there and say, "Hey, can I get a bucket of water?" And they're like, "Why is well my house over here? The yard is smoldering. I don't want it to burn." And like, "Well, where is it?" And they drove two trucks over there and doused the whole yard and took care of that family. And this was her her testimony, right? Like that her 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 faith for asking was what saw them through, and it's. It's interesting because not everybody had that experience, right? But in everybody's story, whether they lost or didn't lose or were somewhere in the middle, everybody had something powerful that they learned and that and that they connected to through that experience. There was another family that I sat down with um who did not lose their home. They had like maybe a week before were just kind of kicking around up in the hills there and said, I wonder where this road goes. And they discovered that it kind of went up over a ridge and down this other way that hadn't been. Turned out that that was the only way that they were able to escape when they thought the fire was coming. Uh, and, and that's how they made it down and out instead of going down through the traffic. I don't know if people know, like this, this fire surprised that whole town. Um, folks had, you know, something like, th- there was no alert. It was like, it was basically, you would be like, going outside your house and everybody independently realizing Um, we got to go like this town. I don't know why. I don't know how, but this town is burning down. Like we have to go. So it wasn't like they were evacuated. It was just like, oh man, we got to pack up and get out. Then there were some people who did lose everything. There were uh, two, um, two families in particular that I remember. Um, one of, one of whom, and they're a little bit different. Um, one of whom, um, had a job kind of down the hill in Chico and they lost their house and everything. And now they're trying to just start from this, where they're at this hotel. to get somehow settled and stocked up to keep their job and go back to work you know, when the insurance money stops paying for the hotel like in the next week. And then uh, at the kind of a table next to them, another family who also lost everything but didn't have a job, didn't have anywhere to go. And they just had um, uh, a car and that much you know, uh, room to put stuff. And they, I remember kind of asking folks, is there anything specifically that you need that we can get for you? And that second family said, n- n- no, well, with the exception of two things. One was a coat and the other was a duffel bag, but they basically said, we don't have any room to put it and we don't know where we're going to go. And for both those folks who lost everything and they kind of represent many, many more people, thousands, I think uh, that lost everything. They There was not this um, despair and there was not anger. There was um, perspective and gratitude and, you know the one, the one thing like i said i would like to go back and just kind of look through the ashes because i would just like to find my grandma's ro- rosary uh you know ceramic beads that, that she had maybe maybe they survived but in those exchanges where the opportunity really came to both um, be a blessing and be blessed and more so really be blessed by by what they had to share with us
0: oh thank you so much for sharing those stories you know i i keep going back to our what we talked about previously about why we are uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I'm not sure why I, are we uncomfortable because we're uncomfortable within ourselves. Like we have so much, we've been so, we've been given so much stuff. What do we, is it guilt? Is it, what is it mm-hmm. that stops us from connecting with someone when mm-hmm. we have that opportunity? I'm so glad that you weren't stopped from doing that. Um, yeah. But what is it that, stops maybe less extroverted people like you and I from doing that. And I still haven't figured that out yet.
1: Yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot. I've been thinking about it a lot too. I mean, it's, it it is the question. And I think it's a really central question to, to living out the mission of the church, right? Like this is, this is the last 10 feet, right? We do a lot of stuff, our principles and our objectives and our our mission and our scripture is all really compelling and powerful. But when it comes down to that moment, what is it? And I, you know what I think? It I think it's almost very pra- pragmatic and tactical. It just takes, uh, it's almost a skill, right? It just takes the, a little bit of practice, a little bit of practice, uh, stepping into a conversation, being willing to say, you know, I don't know what to say, but I know that I want to connect with you because that's what's important right now. Can we Try it, you know it's just creating the space for it to happen and if we could if we could um forgive ourselves the need to be perfect or to know what to say and just recognize that by creating the space to connect it will open the door for for that ministry to flow, uh, then I think we would accomplish a lot, and I see it in a lot of settings, Carla like you said i'm here at happy Valley we're here at the uh winter youth retreat, which I love, and there's like Thirty kids, which is awesome out here. That's a that's a good number, and you know, a number of staff as well. Um, but it also creates, like, in that first evening at camp, you know, uh, like there's people that don't know each other, and it's that same thing. And even for me, again, I've been here before. I see somebody who I know I should know, and I can't remember their name, and that's sort of that awkward moment. And it's like having the ability to to work through that, <laughs> and just recognize the important part is that we don't let our um, nervousness or Desire to be perfect or fear that we won't be perfect uh, stop us from connecting in those last few feet in in living out the the message.
0: I think that that is the gospel right there. Like we all yearn to connect. Uh, we all yearn for it. I don't care how introverted you are. I think everyone yearns to connect. And um, our job as members of community of Christ is to say, "You are welcome. You belong. And I want to be in relationship with you."
1: Yeah. That's it. You know, I, I remember uh, the very first um, person that I talked to uh, when, when we were still setting the food out at that at that hotel that day. Um, I said something almost like what you just said, Carla. It was like, um, you know, I, I don't really know what to say, but I know that I care about you and, and, uh, and I just want to be here with you and and that was that was the, actually the woman who told the story about her house being uh, being not burned down the one with the historian uh, and it was it turned into a 20 minute conversation four of us including my mom and, and, and this lady's uh, husband sitting around a table and having this real um, this real connection I remember now in thinking about that how she she said she was down in chico um, that once they kind of all escaped and looking back up the hill and the Clouds were black and thick, and and somebody asked her, "How do you feel when you when you look up there? Like, what do you think about that place now?" And she said, um, "It's holy ground. It's wow. holy ground. You know, that's how that's how she felt. Which just it's really powerful, you know."
0: It is. Gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for your ministry that you did for those people. And and I mean, I don't know if I should share this here or not, but. Uh, last December, my family went on a cruise to, and we stayed in Houston for a night. This is in December last year, and there were still people staying there after the flood, after Hurricane Harvey, after six months later. So I'm sure these people still need help. <laughs> is that true?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think it is. Although it was kind of a moment in time for us because they they dispersed there, you know. And that was it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's hard to know how to help sometimes, right? Because people were there because their uh, insurance money paid for a certain number of days and then they didn't know where they were going. So by now, all those people that we connected with are somewhere, but I don't know where. And I think there's, there's a lesson in that too, Carla, which is um, there's more to do than we can possibly (laughs) imagine. And so what do you, what do you do? It's something to think about there, right? Like how, how do you help? Um, Sometimes I think maybe that keeps us from trying to do anything, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, But I think we were given opportunities, right? And like you guys took advantage of that opportunity, which is incredible. And we do what you did, what you could do at that time. And then the next time you continue to do that and you're a little bit wiser and a little bit smarter and maybe a little less
1: scared. You know, it it, it, it reminds me a little bit um, of the starfish story, but with a twist, you know, I mean, there's the, that whole, which I think everybody knows the story of the kid, you know, thousands of starfish on the beach and people, he's throwing one back at a time and somebody says, you can't possibly make a difference. I, I made a difference to that one, you know? So P, I think people know that story. And I've always had a little bit of a problem with it because I, I get it and I think it's right and good for those individual um, starfish or people that get help. But really the calling and, and the scripture that I resonate with so much is we're called to create pathways, pathways in the world for peace to be made real, Right both relationally and culturally. I mean, that, that is the thing. So in, in the face of sort of an impossible scale <laughs> to address, uh, maybe, maybe we should start thinking more about um, pathways and how we create them, because in everything we do, everywhere we go, there's always an opportunity to create a pathway for peace.
0: Well, amen.
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> am i preaching too much i'm sorry no, i just no so yeah. good you did so yeah. great
0: thank you yeah. so much for your story thank you so much for your you know your service and i and i appreciate your vulnerability in talking to us today
1: yeah thanks for having me appreciate it carla miss you i'm <laughs> i miss you <laughs> uh, and don't ed- don't edit that out
0: <laughs> <laughs> so mike was there anything else you wanted to say before i let you go
1: um i don't think so just oh yes one more thing one more thing if you listen to all this, and hopefully some of it made sense, remember that every time you see another person, it's the opportunity to exercise and practice those last 10 feet.
0: Wow. Thank you so much, Mike.
1: All right. Love you, Carla. Thanks for
0: listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use, and while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines.